Mercy, peace, hope, and love be to you from our incarnate Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this has been a very unusual Advent season, thanks to the COVID virus. It's changed a lot of things in the way we gather to worship, and I missed two of the four Advent Sundays because of it. But during this unusual season, we have covered, during our midweek sermons, the most traditional part of Advent, the four Advent candles that encircle the Christ candle at the center. And the very first one of those candles was the prophecy candle. And during that sermon, we learned that all of the scripture is about Christ's coming. The Old Testament was about God preserving the lineage of Abraham and David, saying the Savior is coming. The New Testament, the Savior has come and he will return. And of course, with prophecy, that transitions right into a specific prophecy, which was our Old Testament lesson that the Savior would be a descendant of David. It was also prophesied that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. So the second candle is the Bethlehem candle. Then we get to hear about the first people who were not relatives of Jesus to tell the good news that the Savior had been born. And there were shepherds watching in their fields that night. So the third candle is the shepherd's candle. And in that sermon, I also mentioned that Jesus is the good shepherd. So today we arrive at the last candle, the fourth candle. This has been an unusual season for Advent, but Jesus sent unusual messengers to tell everybody that the Savior was going to be born and that he had been born. He used angels. So the fourth candle is the angel candle. Our text is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not angels ministering spirits sent out to serve for the benefit of those who are going to inherit salvation? See, our society today is very confused about angels. They think if our loved one passes away, they become an angel. They think of naked babies playing harps, or they think of these very sissy-like things. Usually in Scripture, unless the angel's disguising himself, usually the first thing out of their mouth is, don't be afraid. Because when you, who are unholy in and of yourself, have a holy being standing before you and it's very powerful, it's pretty scary. And today as we look at the angel candle, that's one of the things that we want to remember. They are meant to help those of us who God has said will be saved. You and I, members of the church, those in God's kingdom. So we don't worship them. But it's interesting whether we're talking about the Greek word angelos, where we get our word angel, or the Hebrew word malach, it means messenger. They primarily reveal themselves with a message from God for us. And I want to focus on that because the last prophecy given in the Old Testament was given by the prophet Malachi. And there's 450 to 500 years of silence. And then an elderly priest his wife was past menopause, draws the, the lot for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Not the holiest of holies, but the room right before that, he gets to go in and offer incense on the incense altar. And then, as Luke chapter 1, verse 11 records, the silence of 500 years is broken. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome by fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. 
Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son for you, and you are to name him John. You ever had somebody come around the corner of a room and it startles you? Imagine suddenly a powerful holy angel just appearing. Don't be afraid. You're going to give birth to the Lord's forerunner. And that in and of itself means the Lord is coming. He is really soon. Zechariah's response, and remember, he is a faithful believer. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? Because I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you in order to tell you the good news. Now listen, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things happen because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at the proper time. We all have those dark hours of doubt. Don't take me in any way as looking down my nose or thinking I'm better than Zachariah. You always kind of go, how can this be? My wife's past menopause and I'm an old man. Duh! Angel standing in front of you. How much more of a special messenger can you ask for? The emphasis is on the message. But we can conclude that God sent an angel. We know this particular angel is Gabriel because it would be a miracle just to see an angel not hiding itself, but revealing his identity. The kind of messenger God sent would be all the proof Zechariah would need. An angel standing before you. That's why he says you don't believe the message. There'll be a discipline here, but you still get the privilege of being the father of the Lord's forerunner. Fast forward six months later, we get to our gospel lesson, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, Elizabeth is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin pledged in marriage to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Mary doesn't say, give me proof, I can't believe this. Mary asks in faith, how's the Lord going to bring this about since I am a virgin? The angel says, that's not a problem. The Holy Spirit's going to take care of that. Jesus doesn't need a biological father, but God still is going to give him an earthly father. So Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. Twice now. Now we got the message again. And the messenger that God uses is meant to validate you can trust this message. And Mary does. She goes off and visits her relative Elizabeth, stays till John the Baptist is born, and then she heads back to Nazareth. So by now, she's at least three months pregnant. Imagine being Joseph. Joseph and Mary, we can read in Scripture, they are pious believers. But he notices a baby bump. Uh-oh. He knows it isn't his. That's where the last announcement comes, because he's thinking about divorcing her quietly. In those days, you stoned adulterers in Israel, man and woman, if you caught him in the act. By divorcing her quietly, Joseph left himself open to the charges of having done this to her and then not even being a man and taking care of her, right? But he loved her. What a kind, gentle man and forgiving man he was. Well, that's where Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 tells us, But as he was considering these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. In the Hebrew, Yahshua, which is where we get the Greek word Jesus, means Savior. 
You can argue this may have been God talking to him because the angel of the Lord, sometimes the messenger is God himself and we'll never know this side of heaven. We know it's not a man because people don't talk to you in dreams. Human beings don't. But once again, a very miraculous appearance to validate and Joseph gets it and trusts in it. Now let me cover one more time in which an angel's appearance would validate an unbelievable message otherwise. And that was last week's sermon text. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David... A savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, again, that's all the shepherds would need. But God wants to really bring it home. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude from the heavenly army praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward mankind. Not just one angel, thousands of angels. I imagine this would be terrifying and wonderfully beautiful at the same time. And so in all these cases, God sends an angel to announce the Lord is coming, is taking on human flesh. But here we can conclude that an angel was sent because their miraculous appearance would validate that you could believe the message. It was an unbelievable message. Now you and I live in a time when The Savior has been born, he has lived, he has died, he has risen, and he has ascended into heaven where he's ruling on the throne. Many people get confused about his return now. In fact, one of the Christian churches just didn't trust Jesus' words when he says no one knows the last day, and so their founder had thought they'd calculated the last day and knew, and, and then when Jesus didn't appear, they said, well, he reached his inner sanctum. And the whole thing now is based on this theology you can't even find in the scriptures. There are a lot of people that are confused about Christ's return. And in my lifetime, even here in America, there have been homegrown cults where people have claimed, I'm Christ who was born again, now worship me. Sometimes that doesn't work out very well, even with our government in those people's case. But when Jesus ascended into heaven, you know, he went up so far and a cloud covered him. It's not like he continued going way up into space. An angel appeared to all the disciples. We're told there's about 500 witnesses. He said, what are you looking up for? He's going to return the way he departed. We know from scriptures when Christ returned, all of his glory is going to be seen. There's not going to be a, mm, I think this might be him, but I'm not sure. And we know from scriptures People right here in Wyoming and in America, people in China, people in Saudi Arabia, people in Russia, people in Germany, all over the world, they're going to see him coming back. And it's going to be undeniable because his glory is going to be seen. But Matthew chapter 24, verse 31, for example, also records, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. And Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 tells us, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Once again, when Christ returns, angels are going to be accompanying him and working. So when you see something very glorious and amazing in angels, you're going to know this is it. 
Unlike the unbelievers, you won't need to be afraid because for you it's, I am wearing Christ's righteousness. He's coming to give me the new heavens and the new earth and the glorified body. So we will rejoice in that. And so once again here, as we look at the end of time at Christ's return, the angel's appearance with the Lord will be part of the special announcement that the Lord has returned. So we've seen as we look at the angel candle, they provided the special announcement that the Lord was taking on human flesh, that he was incarnate. And there being the messenger validated their miraculous appearance, validated the message about the coming miracle of Lord, the Lord taking on human flesh. And we see they will be part of the special announcement that the Lord has returned, which will be one of the very clear signs for us that this is Christ. Now, we could end the sermon there, but I want to focus on something else for a minute. After God's angels sang out in front of the shepherds, did he continue to send angels to tell everybody how wonderful it is that the Savior's been born? Nope. He sent sinners like you and me. As we covered in, in last Wednesday's sermon, the shepherds, when they returned back out to their fields, they told people on the way, great news, everybody, lying in a cattle feed trough is the Savior, the Messiah. They were sinners like you and I. I as a pastor, I've had times where I've done funerals for someone where the grandchildren or, or, or relatives or friends get mad because... I call grandma or grandpa a sinner. Well, if you're not a sinner, you don't need a savior. But they get confused in what I mean by that. And I understand that. When people think of a sinner, they think of a murderer or a rapist. But what makes us a sinner is we're not holy in and of ourselves. It's why people were terrified when the angel appeared before them, even though Zachariah and Mary were devout believers. God sends sinners like you and I, people who make mistakes, people who sometimes proclaim the law too harshly or don't understand or can't read minds, yet he still sins us. Think about, for example, Mary. Mary knew that she had not done the things that led to having a child. She knew Jesus was God having taken on human flesh. And yet when he's 12 years old, probably busy dealing with the other kids, they get a couple of days outside of Jerusalem when they realize, uh-oh, where's Jesus? And they get back to Jerusalem and they look everywhere and pretty much about the last place they look, they finally find him. Where have you been? I've been worried, sick about you. And Jesus was a gentle rebuke. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? The first place they should have looked was the temple. She seemed to have forgotten that he is true God, that his father is God the Father. And you know, when she was at the cross, and again, I in no way think I'm better than her in saying this. Mary stands at the cross weeping, and I cannot imagine having to watch one of your children be tortured to death, let alone especially if they're innocent of a crime being tortured to death. But she should have remembered. Wait, 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 wait. We're all weeping. This, this is miserable. But my son is true God. Hang on. Something big's coming. But she forgot, didn't she? And yet this is the same woman who at a wedding three years earlier, Jesus' first miracle says, oh boy, the couple's out of wine. This is going to ruin their wedding. Jesus says, yeah, you know, she knows who to go to. And he takes care of the problem, doesn't he? Turns the seven barrels of water into wine. And Luke, 
was not there to witness these events. We know he interviewed people and the Holy Spirit inspired him to write things down. He knows so many details about Christ uh, taking on human flesh that we don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out that he interviewed Mary and then recorded it. Mary was a sinner like you and I. When his brothers and sisters told him, hey, Jesus, quit teaching these things. Uh, you're causing problems. Mary didn't start beating those kids. Uh, they were adults. Stop it out. That's the Lord. She was a sinner like you and I, but she still was a believer and she still told the story. Look at the apostle Peter. Lord, I'll never deny you. And then before a 12-year-old, 14-year-old girl that he probably could arm curl, he denies the Lord. You know, that's not the only time Peter botched it. Many years later uh, in Antioch, he starts eating with the Jewish Christians and starts suddenly reobserving the ceremonial laws of cleanliness. And he didn't mean to, but his actions were preaching a sermon that made the Gentile converts uncomfortable. And God sent the apostle Paul to tell him, Peter, you've botched it. God cleaned Peter up and sent him back out into the mission field. I just mentioned the Apostle Paul. Boy, you want to talk about something there. This guy is on his way to be a rabbi studying under the great Gamaliel. But the Roman government gave the Sanhedrin permission to kill Christians simply for being Christians. And who was the guy going after him? That was Saul. Saul was on his way up to Damascus. He was going to arrest those Christians and bring them back so they would be put to death. He might not directly murder them, but if you do everything that places an innocent person before the henchmen, you have their blood on your hands. So does God stop him on Damascus and squash him like a bug? No, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Paul will be the apostle for us Gentiles, and he'll write almost 70% of the New Testament a sinner like you and I. Let me wrap up this sermon with what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We hold this treasure in clay jars to show this extraordinary power is from God and not from us. A clay jar, you drop it off the edge of a table, bam, it shatters. But people put their treasures in it in, that, in those days. They sealed it up and you'd bury it like underneath your bed. So somebody broke into your house, they're going to have to do some digging to find what was valuable. But because it was in a clay jar, water wouldn't get into it and make it rust and destroy it. You and I are the clay jar. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, Mary, God uses sinners. We have the treasure. And amazingly, this time of the year gives us the wonderful opportunity to let that treasure shine. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but department stores and everything else, because pagans have taken over our holiday, and I don't mean that in a bad way, have started saying things like season's greetings, happy holidays. I hate to tell you this, but the gifts underneath the Christmas tree that they enjoy so much, Christians started that because we celebrate the gift of a Savior, and we celebrate the gifts the Magi's brought to the Savior. The Christmas tree that is an evergreen reminds us of everlasting light. The lights that we put on it was done to remind us of those angels that sang out that night to the shepherds. And the light, the star we put on the top of the tree was meant to remind us of the star that led the Magi to Bethlehem. Everything they like about our Christmas traditions are all because of us Christians celebrating this for 2,000 years. And the only reason why I'm bringing that up is America today is full of people who don't understand who the Savior is. 
And this season gives you a wonderful opportunity. When you go to pick up the layaway, don't be ashamed to tell that person, God bless your celebration of the birth of his son. And if they get offended, take a moment to gently explain to them why Christmas is what it is. God uses sinners like you and I. I've been afraid in my life to share the message because I was afraid, like Peter, I'd screw it up. There have been times with friends and family members, prayed to the Lord about it. Sometimes a decade later, the Lord opened up the door and said, there you go, Fred, now go fix it. God will use you. And we don't have to give big dissertations. May God bless your celebration of Christ's birthday. Or as we have a Christmas Eve service coming up, come and see. That's all Philip told Nathaniel, right? Come and see. So with that, we celebrate the angel candle. We see that they provided the special announcement that the Lord was incarnate. He had taken on human flesh and their miraculous appearance was meant to show you can trust this message. And with that, they will be part of the special announcement that the Lord has returned when he returns. Yet God still sends sinners like you and I to proclaim the good news of our Savior. Amen. May the Lord continue to direct your heart to God's love and Christ's patient endurance. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Christmas Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, who sent his Son as my Savior on Christmas Day, born of the Virgin Mary, announced by the angels, worshipped by the shepherds, adored by the wise men who live to suffer, die, and rise again to free us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. I believe in the Holy Spirit who has brought me to faith in the Christ of Christmas and by whose continuous work in my heart I am ever led to lay before the feet of Christ the treasures of my love and live under him as my king, both now and forevermore. Amen.